Tom Bernard Show with JB, Melissa Kirk, Andy Brant Bernard. We'll be right back. Got a little news, got a little information. Shark Week at the end of the hour. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. <laughs> We're back, ladies and gentlemen. The clock's actually on. That was wonderful. The first two hours of this show today were amazing. Well, it's strange to <clears throat> walk in in the, the, uh, the, the last quarter part of the first hour and to listen to you and the young man talk. Oh, What's Maranzio. his name? That Mr. Vance. Maranzio Vance. Maranzio Vance. Yeah, yeah to hear him guy. talk because... He says a lot of things just like I do. What is that? It's Tony Price. Oh, Tony's called. Tony Price is here. Tony, how are you? Thanks. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Thank you very much. I just heard somebody talking in the background. I was like, who's that? It's Tony Price. How you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm all wet. Uh oh. It's raining that bad. I heard. Foggy and wet. I heard there's a hundred percent chance of rain out in your area today, huh? (laughs) I think that was pretty close to right. Yeah, I heard it's just. I'm in. I'm in Savannah, Georgia today. Oh, Savannah's gorgeous. You ever been there before? I visited here a couple of years ago with the wife. Yeah, we came for a weekend. Yeah, there's it, a Savannah great history. Is, generally, it's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was on my way to Jacksonville, Florida, however. Uh, I stopped here because the motorcycle decided it was going to break down again. Oh, God, you've had nothing but trouble. <laughs> Well, that's not completely true, but well, uh, I definitely had more trouble than I'm supposed to. Yes. So So I'm at the uh, Savannah Harley-Davidson dealership. So somebody listening, call them up and tell them to treat me right. I Treat me right. Tell them I'm on a good mission. <laughs> Savannah to Jacksonville is not that far, though. Not, it's not a bad drive. Uh, I, I think it's about two hours or something. Yeah, it's a couple hours. That's maybe, right. maybe, maybe three uh, maybe it depends. Yeah, it depends how it goes. Yeah. But I do remember when I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, in 1977. I was working at WAPE Radio, and I wanted to go up and see the Okefenokee Swamp up there in Georgia. Um, uh-huh. And so I get in my car and I'm driving up, and as I'm crossing the Florida Georgia state line, this again was in 1977. There is a huge picture of an extremely muscular state trooper, and it says 55 means 55. 
was like, whoa, whoa, officer. Yeah, I, they, I think I saw that a very similar billboard on Highway 169 on the way to Malac. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe there's a possibility. Uh, yeah, a lot of people like to go fast on that road. Mm-hmm. So you're in a hurry to get to the lake. Yeah, that's true. You're, how bad's the breakdown this time? I don't know yet. They're they're still trying to figure it out. So the, but it, uh, the the battery stopped taking a charge again. Oh, so yeah. we're going to see what happens. And you know, I, w- I was riding in the rain for four hours. As soon as the sky broke, the lights came on on the motorcycle. Really? So as soon as I got to drive in the rain, as soon as the rain stopped. The motorcycle broke. Oh God! So, Wonderful. So, but you know, I was thinking about that, and and this little mission that I'm on. These hardships are hardships, but they're easier to deal with. When I think about last week, I got to meet a fellow named Dom. Uh, Dom is 12 years old, and he lives up in north of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I stopped to visit him, and he let me meet him at his father's gravesite. And we had a wonderful little. Uh, opportunity we talked for quite a bit about what it meant that his father was a national hero yeah and his mother shared the story with me of what it's like for him theirs is a really unusual story uh mom and dad were together she got pregnant he was born then dad was shipped out and while dad was shipped out in iraq as a marine um they were making their wedding plans So he was going to come home after his tour, and that's when the wedding was supposed to take place. And he was one week away from coming home, and he shipped all his stuff back, and he said, oh, we got one more mission for you. He actually had to borrow somebody else's gear, and it ended up being the last thing that he could do for his country. Oh, God, what a story. Well, it gets worse because his parents decided to disavow uh, their grandson. Oh no! Because they was born out of wedlock. Because he was, well, I you know I didn't get to meet them and I didn't didn't get to ask them their questions, but I uh, you know I just know what it means. I know what it's like. So here's a kid who lost his father and his grandparents mm. pretty much in the same blow. Oh god! And because they because they weren't married, of course, uh, the grandparents that disavowed him got every all of the benefits. Oh. All the survivor's benefit. Yeah, see, so here's that's... a 12-year-old kid without a dad, and he's got no shot. So oh, God. It was pretty, yeah, it was, it was nice to meet him, and he's a, he's, he's a real level-headed kid. Uh, but you can kind of tell that he's not sure what his place is because mm-hmm. his dad is gone. That's terrible. You know, he knows full well who his dad was. His mother has told him plenty of stories. He can tell you what a great hero his father was. Um he was loved by everybody in the Marine Corps. But, uh, you know, and, it, and it's when I get to meet kids like that and families like that, that's what makes riding for four hours in the rain worthwhile. Yeah, I can you understand know, that. By myself, in the rain, going down the road, not once did I curse at the weather. <laughs> <laughs> not once. Yeah. Because I... Uh, uh, I know I'm, I get to do the same thing tomorrow when I get to Florida, mm-hmm. assuming I get to Florida. Um, you know, I get to, to the Gold Star Dad. I'm going to go down there and meet uh, just outside of Lakeland, I think it is. Um, here's a guy who's been in the Marines for 28 years, and he had a son, and his son grew up, and his son joined the Corps. His son ended up uh, getting killed on a mission, and Dad stayed in the Marine Corps. So he's, he's still active duty in the Marine Corps, even though he's buried his son. So I'm looking forward to meeting him, too. These are the kind of heroes that you don't get to hear about mm, that's true, every day. Yeah. That is absolutely. So I'm, 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 I'm pretty lucky. I get to ride in the rain for four hours, and my motorcycle breaks down three times in three weeks. Now, did you hook up? You were going to hook up with some people in what South Carolina or something like that? Did did that ever happen? Uh, yeah, I hooked up with some people in South Carolina. I hooked up with some people in North Carolina. Um, uh, wonderful people over there. The the Gold Star son over in South Carolina is actually a special needs kid. He's 14 years old and he's autistic. Mm-hmm. So he was a lot of fun to me. Um, and then also while I was in North Carolina, I got to stop at a place called Richard's Coffee House. You've probably never heard of it. No, I haven't. But it's in a tiny town called Mooresville. Um, 
So I stopped in there, and this is a, they call it a living military museum. And this coffee shop, if you're a veteran, you get free coffee. So I got to turn down their free coffee. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you walk into this place, and it's just amazing. From the second you hit the door, you're you're consumed by looking at all the stuff from, that they have of relics and, and uniforms from the Revolutionary War. Really? And it goes from there to the War of 1812 and from there to World War One and, and the Spanish-American War from the late 1800s, all the way up to everything that's going on in the Middle East. And this massive place, probably 6,000 square feet, had all of these little cubicles that represented all of the different conflicts that the United States has been in, and they have uh, relics and, and uh, uniforms and everything from every different military conflict. They even had a signed photograph of the guy who dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, who actually grew up right down the road from that coffee shop. God. And they had, uh, you know, it was just amazing. They had uh, their own Vietnam memorial. They had posters up from Vietnam, and only Vietnam veterans got to sign it. So I got some really cool pictures of a picture on the wall that had, you know, nearly a thousand signatures of people who came in there and signed it in there because uh, um, to see that military museum. So that was pretty cool. Tony, is there, is there a, as you go state to state, is there a, a varying reaction to what you're doing from you know, the, the people that live in the area? Uh, I, I assume you're, right. you're welcome, but is there kind of a differing reaction from state to state? Not really. Good. About as open-armed a welcome as I can get. The, the places where I see it's a little bit different are well, because the schedule got mixed up with the with the bike breaking down, when I left, all the hotels were donated all the way around. Yeah. But because yep. the schedule got thrown off, now I'm going into hotels and they say, well, no, that donation was for yesterday or that donation was for last week. No, you got to pay for tonight. Oh, God. So those kind of things. And, um, you know, places like I'm at the Harley dealership over here. And when I get done talking to you, I get to go talk to the manager and see if they can help me get this thing back on the road. But generally speaking, when I have to deal with businesses, they're like, well, you're just another guy to us. No, oh, I suppose. I suppose that is true. That's the way, yeah, yeah that's the way they would handle it. But even now I'm sitting in a taco place right next to a sign that says, this is the number one rated taco place in 2017 for the entire country. The number one taco uh, place? Yeah, according to Business Insider Magazine. Really? So that's where I'm sitting right now. Number one taco place. So when I'm done with my tacos, I'll go talk to the manager over there. And I'll talk to, and, you know, whenever I talk to people at restaurants, they're just like, oh, it's so great. It's fantastic. We just love what you're doing. And that's why I'm doing it. So more and more people can understand mm-hmm. what a Gold Star family is. Because, still, uh, out of 20 people that I talk to in the day, 19 of them need me to explain to them what a Gold Star family is. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. People wouldn't know that. I, I, not many people would know that. But, you know, 100 years ago, everyone in the country knew what a Gold Star family was. Really? And so 100 years ago, you say? 100 years ago. In, in 1918, mm-hmm. everybody knew. And maybe I told you this before, so forgive me if I have, but during World War One, if you got a draft notice in your house for your 18-year-old son or brother to go fight in World War One. It came with a little white flag that had a blue star on it that you got to hang in the window. Right. So yep. everybody knew that you were yep. a blue star family and you had somebody in the war. Yep. And if the, if the telegram came, it came with another flag that had a gold star on it. So you take the blue star down out of the window, put the gold star up. And everybody in the country knew what, exactly what it meant to be a gold star family. Yeah, it's... It's got to be really, so, really... It, makes, it must make you feel really, really good doing what you're doing. I would assume, anyway. Uh, you know, it makes me feel really humble. Yeah. You know, the, the, as much gratitude as I'm receiving from strangers who just uh, open up their arms and say, I can't believe you're here. This is so wonderful. It's great what you're doing. It really makes me feel humble um, and and a little shy. Just kind of want to go, you know, I'm. it's not for me. It's not about me. I'm not doing it for me. But, uh, you know, I appreciate the thanks and the compliments that I get everywhere I go. All right, this next question, you can't lie. When you're in Orlando, are you going to go to Disney World? 
Uh, you know, I, I got a buddy that I've known since <laughs> I was four years old. I've known this guy so long, I don't remember how we met. Really? I, I just know we were preschoolers together. And he lives near there, and I've been talking to him for this last week, and you know, so he can get on his bike and ride with me around Florida. And he's been telling me that I need to go to Disney World. You do need to go to Disney World. When's the last time you I'm were there? I'm not a big fan of lines. Eh, well, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of lines, so I doubt that I'll go there, especially now that it looks like I'm a full day behind. Uh, eh, I suppose, yeah. On to, yeah. So are you going to go to this? People are waiting for me. Are you going to go to the Seven Eleven from two thirty a.m. at a Seven Eleven near Disney World, nineteen eighty-seven? <laughs> what? There's this video what? on YouTube. A couple kids, like college age or so, in nineteen eighty-seven, they rented a camera and they just took a video of just people at two thirty a.m. at a Seven Eleven near Disney World, and it became this huge thing. It did. Yep. So you can visit that Wasn't 7-Eleven. Wasn't that the basis for that movie 20 years ago called Clerks or something? Sounds It's similar, yeah. yeah but that they, makes sense. Yeah. I, um, Clerks was made into a movie, whereas this is just a nine-minute YouTube video. That is unbelievable. Oh, okay. There might be too much stuff well, available these days. Might be too yeah, much. I posted a video on YouTube, I think it was yesterday, of uh, when I went to that military, that living military museum in Mooresville, one of the old volunteers that's working there came out and, and gave me a, an official welcome home. You know, I was in the Navy for four years, so he gave me an official welcome home, and that got videotaped tonight. Or videotaped? Probably not videotaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody recorded it on a phone, and, and uh, so I posted that on YouTube yesterday. And I'm recording tons of video everywhere I go. So something will idea. get me, but it probably won't be people going in and out of a Seven Eleven by Disney. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> All right, finish probably your tacos not. and go see the so see the manager and tell him to get off his ass. It's time. All right, thank you for your time. All right, thanks, Tony. Tony, I'll Price. reach out to you some sometime next week. I'll reach out. To you. Yeah, well, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. So so safe right. travels, and I hope the the motorcycle starts to behave, man. <laughs> thanks me a lot. Too. Tony Price, right. Gold Star families visiting him in 48 or 49 states. Haven't figured that out yet. We'll be right back in two minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, Attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. We're back. Oh, that's right. We don't have bumper music. I forgot that. <laughs> nope. It's like, where's the bumper music? Uh, in any case, thank you to Tony Price again, Gold Star Families on the big ride, the Gold Star Family Ride, supporting uh, the families of those who've lost a loved one in combat, which is really cool. 
Judge Janine Pirro from Fox News was on The View yesterday to promote her book about the anti-Trump conspiracy. It was contentious from the start. No, not on The View. <laughs> yeah, really. Things of all got, places to go. I know. Right. Things got really heated when Janine accused Whoopi Goldberg of having Trump derangement syndrome. With Pirro trying to shout over her, Whoopi said, quote, Listen, I'm 62 years old. There have been a lot of people in office that I haven't agreed with, but I have never, ever seen anything like this. I have never seen anybody whip up such hate. I got to be honest with you. To me, it looks like both sides are whipping up the hate. I'm sorry, but... You can't whip up hate and then say, Wow, look at all this hate that this person's whipping up. Yeah, you can't. It's coming from you, not him. I've never seen anybody so be so dismissive. Well, that's true. He is very dismissive. He is dismissive. I uh, would be, too. And clearly you don't watch the show, so you don't know that I don't suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, what I suffer from is the inability to figure out how to fix this. Shortly after that, Whoopi cut off the interview saying, quote, say goodbye. Goodbye. I'm done. They went to commercial. When they came back, Whoopi said she was not proud about losing her cool, but she blamed Janine for setting her off. Also, the New York Post says Whoopi and Janine went at each other again backstage after taping. Yeah, that doesn't sound like they're crazy at all. No, they're not nuts. I mean, <laughs> well, they're a couple of women. Why would you be a guest on a show and go on there to attack people? Because controversy? Because we're talking about it now because it's in the news? Yeah, it's pretty much true, isn't it? It's unfortunate, yep. sad, but true. And that's what they do. Yeah. That's what they they both do. Yeah, they both get everybody, everybody all whipped up. And I, I it's just... I don't know the whole I thing. mean, you've always had the thought that you don't invite somebody onto the show to attack them. That's true. Yeah, I don't do that. But but that's th- not that popular is, you know, right. controversial. But my thing is, why go on a show and, and attack the host? Because it's controversial. People start but talking just... about it. All press is good press at this point. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's probably true. <laughs> but it, it this, I mean, I... You, you see the, even in private, you know, private life, your workday life, it's just become hostile. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no, you're absolutely right about that. That's why it's I just, refuse to bring it up. Tons of hostility. And I don't, I just really wish, God, I just looked at that 17 dead and all 17 people on the duck boat were killed. Duck boat. Uh, 17 dead after duck boat capsizes in Branson, Missouri. Wow. Uh, I don't know how many people total were on the boat, but at one time they thought there was 13 people and there were still four missing, and now apparently they've all been declared dead. So I don't know if there were any more people on the boat, but the, the people they were talking about there, they've all pretty much died. Stormy weather. Just, that's it. Mm, Although yeah, another duck boat on the lake weather. made it safely back to shore. So. Because they listened to the... the the alert. Oh, did the captain and, or whatever the duck boat has? Sooner. Yeah. Did they not go back when they were told to go back? That I mean, that is, you know, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, parts of Texas, and, and um, Tennessee. That's all tornado country. Yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely it is. No doubt. We've known for a while that Michael Cohen taped some of his conversations and the investigators had those tapes. But what we didn't know was whether a tape of President Trump was included or whether the two discussed legally problematic things. We now know the answers to those questions. Trump was, and they did. The Washington Post has confirmed that potential turning point. Investigators had a tape of Cohen discussing a potential payment to Playboy playmate Karen McDougal. That's uh, Stormy Daniels, isn't it? I don't know. Yes. Alleged an affair with Trump about two months before the 2016 election, the New York Times first reported the story. Trump's lawyer, Rudolph W. Giuliani, confirmed the tape exists but said it's actually exculpatory because Trump suggests the payment should be documented and the payment wasn't actually made. Uh, Let's assume for a moment that that's true. And nothing on the tape is, uh, in and of itself, damning. It still raises some very important questions, the most important of which is, why were they even talking about such things? Yeah, I'm, once again, I'm not trying to take sides here, but I, I just want it as a centrist. So it's okay that JFK did it, but not that Trump did it. Is that what you're saying? Some people thought that JFK even had some people killed because mm-hmm. of it. Why doesn't anybody care about that? Because I do. Different you know. time. 
I guess it was a different time. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend Trump in any way, shape, or form. I'm not at all. It's just I don't understand why if it's not your guy, uh, then you go after him. But if it is your guy, you don't say a word to him. I don't understand that at all. Uh, that's the defense that had been offered in the case of porn star Stormy Daniels, who actually did get a payment from Cohen. It also seemed to be the Trump uh, team's defense for McDougal. We have no knowledge of any of this, spokeswoman uh, Hope Hicks said when it was revealed that National Enquirer had paid for McDougal's story. Uh, and so I wonder what that's all about. You could argue Hicks' denial was specifically about the Enquirer's payment, not McDougal's allegation. But if Cohen kept Trump in the dark about Daniels, why wouldn't he also keep Trump in the dark about McDougal? Isn't Daniels? I thought that was the same person, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Why wall it off for the porn star but not the playmate? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The other key uh, question is how this plays into the payment McDougal did get from the Inquirer's publisher, American Media Incorporated, given the Inquirer is run by Trump, allied Dave... Oh, God. The guy's name is David Pecker. <laughs> really? And you're involved in a sex scandal. <laughs> okay, that's really... That's wonderful. It has long been alleged and suspected that Pecker was doing Trump a favor by buying McDougal's story and then not running it, a practice known as catch and kill. Uh, the practical effect was basically the same as Cohen paying Daniels. The woman alleging the affair was not allowed to go public with her claim. We know based on the Washington Post reporting last month that Cohen was given a heads up about stories the inquiry was going to run on Trump. It suggested a very cozy relationship. There's plenty we still need to learn here, but not, not the least of which is that, uh, what Trump actually said on the tape. I don't know, this, this is all speculation. It's not even a news story. And again, I'm not defending Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying this is not news. It's speculation at this point. When it becomes news, then report it. Right. Once somebody has listened to the tapes and, yeah. and printed out what, you know, make a transcript of it, then you can find yeah, out what's going really. Why don't they just do that? Yeah, well, nobody's, nobody can wait anymore. The uh, update on that uh, news story I just read about Janine Pirro and Whoopi Goldberg, apparently Whoopi spit on her backstage. That's a little bit of an overreaction yeah. by a 62-year-old. Whoopi mm-hmm. has gone, she went nuts a few years ago. She really did. I don't know what the hell that's all about. I, I don't know. But the other thing is, why give them power over you to drive you that crazy? I agree completely. Why would you do that? I I, I just, I don't understand what this is all about. Just everybody hates everybody else and blah, blah, blah. But another part to that is, sometimes you're not allowed, like, I had a, luckily he's gone now, but a co-worker that I had to share a room with. Mm Mm-hmm. Who, in the powers of be, knew he wasn't a good person, but I was supposed to be a good person to him, uh-huh. as he was not. And it wasn't like I was going out of my way to be a jerk to him. I just didn't want to talk to him. Yeah, I understand that. And they literally called me in and told me I had to talk to him. Why? I till this day I don't I don't get it. And said so I, I don't I don't get that either. Because, you know, there's those, it's you're being uncooperative and you're being the bad guy. It's like, but you know, from the time he moved from that room to this room, that he was a problem. Yeah, it's true. Um, this ex- story that I'm about to read is a prime example of how envy gets in the way of people being decent people. This is something should have never happened, but it happened. Why? Because this kid has a superior talent, and his father is very, very wealthy, who also has superior talent. What is wrong with people? First off, no 13-year-old deserves to be branded as overrated in front of their peers. Secondly, all of the 13-year-olds one might consider overrated. LeBron, Bronny James Jr. is certainly not one of them. Bronny James is versatile, a young guard with strong athleticism and excellent court vision. He's already exhibiting some of his father's strongest suits, and he's only 13. So what would possess someone to claim the younger James is overrated and chant him at it in the gym? It's insane. You need more proof. This is what he was doing the day earlier. So you tell us, how can a teenager put on a show one day and then be overrated the next? Someone is wrong. We're betting it's not the analyst's. 
Why would you chant overrated at a 13-year-old kid because his dad's a billionaire? Right. Is that why you hate him? Because his yeah. dad's rich and his dad's very famous? Well, he said it the hour ago that um, people hate people with money. They do. They absolutely. They're so jealous of somebody like a LeBron James, they just can't get over it. So you go after his 13-year-old kid? Uh, well, they the, can't get to LeBron, so the next no, best thing true. is to get. That's a very good point. They can't get to LeBron, so they'll get after get after a thirteen year old kid. Good God, uh, was it other? I assume this was other kids in the school chanting this at him, not to forgive them for it, because some of them, I'm sure, were seventeen, eighteen years old, and should know better than that. So you're jealous of LeBron James, and you're jealous of LeBron James' son, and this is what we end up with. I just don't understand. Who's that, Andy? Luke. Hello. Luke, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Having trouble hearing you. Can you hear me okay? Uh, there, it just got better. Yeah, we okay now? You can hear us fine? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. How you doing? I'm doing extremely well. Shark Tank meets Shark Week, uh, airing Wednesday, July 25th at 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Pacific. On Discovery Channel, in a never-before-seen matchup, two titans of TV come together in Shark Week. Uh, Shark Tank meets Shark Week. This time, the sharks are aren't battling to buy businesses. Instead, they are vying for a fifty-thousand-dollar donation on the line. This is a hell of a, this is a really good idea, Luke. Luke Tipple with us from Discovery Shark Week. Who came up with this idea, Luke? I believe it was actually an invention of Discovery itself. Um, oh, okay. So they, they they thought. I think there's an obvious connection there with Shark Tank, you know, just in the name sure, alone and everything sure. else and all the imagery. And uh, and I think it was cooked up, whether it was for this year or it's been in the process for a while, I'm not sure. Uh, but I got the producer along with uh, the uh, the company who actually produced it, Radley Productions. And, uh, and yeah, it came together really well. I got to work with some people that I really respect and I've worked with before. I'm working with the uh, the shark from Shark Tank. That's absolutely amazing. Luke, I tell you, another thing that's ama- amazing is they released the figures. I don't know if it's a coincidence they released them today, but uh, they released the figures. Discovery Shark Week makes a ton of money for Discovery, so that's good news, Luke. Yes, it does. In fact, I rang the Nasdaq Belfort this morning, and there was a little chatter about that. So <laughs> there, might <be> some, <laughs> there might be some uh, creative marketing going on there, as well as good timing. Yeah, that's it. Well, it is good timing, and it is probably creative marketing. But thirty-six million dollars was with the with the figure that they put out there. That's one. How long has Shark Week been around now? How long has it been, Luke? So this year will actually be the thirtieth anniversary. So it started in nineteen eighty-eight, and it was almost almost like a um, you know a film festival of, of shark documentaries back in the day. It, it was never hosted or anything around year ten. They brought along a host and thought, let's, you know, personalize this a little bit more. And it's, it's since turned into the cultural phenomenon that it is now. So, Luke, do any of the sharks involved in Shark Week, are they kind of nervous about being around Mark Cuban? <laughs> you know what? Uh, when they when they kind of put this to me, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to be working with, like, four complete prima donnas. I, I used to work um, as a crew member on Super Yacht, so oh, I, yeah. I'm pretty used to being around uh, high net worth individuals, billionaires, those types of people, and usually it's, it's their way or the highway. You know, it's just, you know, if they want to do something, they want to do something. If they don't want to do it, they're out. So I thought, you know, nature programming doesn't go by the book. You know, sharks don't turn up when you want them to, and <laughs> no. weather can be bad, and all types of things can be terrible. So I thought, here we go, we've got four prima donnas, I'm going to have to, you know, work with them on all these segments um but every one of them was absolutely awesome um they were all super accommodating um they're all really nice very generous with their time uh mark cuban particularly was just uh just an absolute sweetheart he brought his family out with him and they all went shark diving it was great i just talked to barbara corcoran this morning as a matter of fact about another issue she's doing a podcast now and i talked to her about her podcast and uh i've always she's got a very strong opinion about just about everything, but she's also a tremendously <laughs> nice person. She really is. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely got some spunk to her as well. She was, uh, she was a ton of fun out there. Um, oh yeah. The, uh, the the boat we had her on had uh, what do we have like fifteen um, sort of up and coming uh, junior scientist type people. They they run a program where there's just female scientists on board, and they bring out uh, a whole lot of like high school kids. 
So, you know, girls in the 13 to probably 16, 17-year-old range um, with the idea that getting them out there, putting them in a, in a female-centric environment, but doing, like, super hardcore science, you know, catching sharks, pulling them on deck, taking blood, putting tags, taking DNA, all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. So we, uh, we put her on one of these boats, and she was a huge inspiration. You know, all the girls really got along with us well up there, and I think Barbara got a kick out of it as well. Uh, I have to take just a very, very quick break. Luke, I'll be right back. I want to yep. hear about you and how it all happened for you right after this, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? Do you got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom. And all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing. Take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Luke Tipple from Discovery's Shark Week on with us. Luke is a marine biologist, television personality, speaker, author, producer. Is there anything you don't do, Luke? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm trying to check off the boxes of the things that I've missed. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> let's just say I get itchy, itchy feet and I like to do a lot of different things. So did you, when, at what age did you realize, I want to be a marine biologist? Did you get an early calling on that? Yeah, I remember that clearly. I was uh, four and a half, five years old, Max. Um, my, uh, I was brought up in a fairly strict religious household, so a lot mm-hmm. of TV programming was, uh, was you know, barred from me because it was, you know, the tax or something. I don't know. Right. Um, so we, we were allowed to watch Jacques Cousteau and David Attenborough, you know, these documentaries. So I yep. kind of grew up on a steady diet of watching these, um, you know, amazing scientists going out to sea, having these grand old adventures with all their buddies on a boat. And I was like, I want to do that. And then, uh, you know, I started spearfishing from a young age, uh, started getting into the ocean at, you know, three, four years old. And I remember seeing my dad, um, you know, spearing fish, but also, you know, uh, interacting with wildlife, you know, grabbing the tails of little hobby gong sharks and, and things like that. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always wanted to be a marine biologist ever since I was, that ever, for as long as I can remember. I had shark posters on the walls, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes complete. So it, you, really you were that young because I, I tell people I knew what I was going to do by the time I was 14, and they said, oh, God, that's really early. But it wasn't five years old like you. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you can, you know, you've, you've kind of pointed at some of the things I've done there. You know, I've definitely had dalliances and, um, you know, done different things. Uh, you know, I was one of Australasia's top door-to-door salesmen when I was in my teenage years. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah. always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, I went to college for uh, thinking, hey, I'm going to go get a, a real job, make some money, and uh, went for international business. Found it extremely boring, couldn't handle all the economics. Just, it was just, wasn't for me. So I switched my degree. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go do what I've always thought I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and uh, that's marine biology. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. It kind of stuck to us, and it's worked out well. It has indeed. Discovery Shark Week, television's longest-running event, celebrates its 30th anniversary beginning this Sunday, July 22nd, through next Sunday, July 29th. Shark Week 2018 features the most hours of shark programming ever on Discovery Channel. Uh, how many did it get? The the hours of of shark programming did it get bigger and bigger and bigger as time went by because of technology. Uh, well, what it is, obviously, you know, being the 30th of uh, put a bit more budget towards making yeah, shows. Yeah. Uh, they've they've greenlit more shows, and they've been banking a few, you know, uh, just waiting for the 30th. Uh, but generally, uh, 
any given Shark Week, any given year, they'll generally make between about 12 and 16 original programs. So it'll still last the entire week. There might be a couple of reruns, but, you know, every night you're seeing three or four original shows. Uh, for the 30th, they kind of, they upped it and they increased that production. So I think there's actually 20 or 22 original shows they made this year. This lineup is unbelievable. Shark Week 2018 celebrates this milestone with an all-star lineup of athletes and celebrities, including Shaquille O'Neal, Ronda Rousey, Aaron Rodgers, Rob Gronkowski, Lindsey Vaughn, Mark Cuban, Barbara Corcoran, Kevin O'Leary, Damon John, Guy Fieri, Bear Grylls, and more. Man, you got everybody to come out. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. You know, I, uh, I kind of wish I was on the Shaq one. I can't wait to see that. Uh, just getting him in the water, I think, would be hilarious. Um, and I, from what I hear, he did a great job. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a star-studded lineup this year. Were the Sharks afraid of Shaquille? <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't speak for that episode. I, I'm a viewer myself on that one. He, honest to God, he is uh, he's everywhere now. He just... I don't know if you heard about this or not, but it's rather interesting. Shaquille O'Neal does uh, does some shows as a DJ. He plays a DJ named DJ Diesel. And his best friend, of course, is Charles Barkley. So he had the entire crowd as DJ Diesel shouting and chanting, Charles Barkley sucks. <laughs> they, kept, they kept chanting. It was very, very funny. I had a lot of fun with it. it just, I mean, that's the whole thing now. It seems that all of these people are in a position where they, they can have some fun, and that's maybe the most important part of their life, to be involved in Shark Week or in any way, shape, or form to get out there. And It's got to be new and interesting to a lot of these people, and they never thought to get a chance like this, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I've had the privilege to see, you know, quite a lot, you know, uh, working in science and then in tourism and consulting and now TV. Um, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of people to see sharks for the first time, from kids eight years old to, yeah. you know, Russian billionaires who can do anything they want on the planet. Um, and every single one of them, they have the same response. You know, they get to see this awesome animal. They go face-to-face with a 17-foot predator that's coming towards them. Ooh. And they're dumbstruck. They, they have that personal connection and, you know, whether they are afraid or excited or whatever, they, they all realize that these are amazing animals and they all walk away with a new appreciation for the oceans and for, that, uh, for the particular species and sharks in general. So I think, you know, this year we're going to see a lot of that and that's really cool. You know, people from all different types of walks of celebrity, whether they're super rich or really good at fighting or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, they're all going to have, you know, a really magical experience and that's something I saw on all the shows that I worked on. Do you, do you find some people, particularly uh, business people that are very, very wealthy and, and public figures, all the rest of it, do people think they know a lot more about sharks than they actually do? I've, I've found that most people, and obviously there's a caveat for the arrogant people who, you know, who I generally <laughs> don't tend to work with, right. but most, most high net worth individuals, people who are at a certain level of, you know, um, some career level where they are an expert in something, they generally defer to other experts. You know, there's something that is common with all of those oh, people. That's good. They, they know to listen to their they, they listen to their coach. They listen to other experts in fields that they don't know about to better educate themselves. They're all very very smart people. Um, you know, people who generally think that they've got it all figured out. They generally don't get to that level of prestige unless there's some you know idiot reality stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, <laughs> that was nice. Every Luke. one of these people. So, <laughs> I mean, there might be a few out there, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, there might be the, the privilege of working with these people who will defer to us, particularly when they're worried about getting their legs and arms bitten off. And maybe that's the thing. <laughs> maybe they're just listening because they, they don't want to die. <laughs> well, that is a good thing. Your first job out of college was as a resident marine biologist in, the, in Honduras, where you ran a whale shark tagging program? Yep. Uh, I got very lucky, actually. I, yeah. Before that, I was working on Sippy Ops. Um, uh, but I, I decided not to continue working on the yachts, and I went back and finished my degree. And uh, right out of college, I remember uh, I was looking for another job, thinking I'd go back to the yachts. Uh, but I wanted to do, you know, to use my degree, and I wanted to work with sharks. And as a professional diving instructor at the time, uh, I was looking on the uh, the job board uh, for the dive instructor job boards, and I saw this job must have professional, you know, dive instructor experience, um, be highly qualified for uh, diving and be a marine biologist, and you'll be in charge of the tagging uh, program for the whale show. And it was in 
Honduras. Like it had exotic location, beautiful island, great diving. It just had everything. I thought I'm applying for this and I'm never going to get it. And I got the job and I didn't even go to my graduation. They needed me to start early. So I finished my last exam. I got on a plane and I went, I still have nightmares. You know, those nightmares where you like, you wake up and you, you can't sort of escape out of that dream. Yes. Mine is that I didn't graduate. <laughs> I have this recurring dream that I didn't graduate because I didn't get closure on my graduation ceremony. But what I was doing instead, I was, 30 feet underwater tagging rail sharks with a spear gun. So I'll take that trade off. You know, Luke, it's interesting. Uh, you pioneered sustainable procedures for commercial out-of-cage work with great white sharks. How did you know you weren't going to get your head bitten off? <laughs> uh, well, that came about, uh, I was working down in Guadalupe Island for about five years. Okay. Uh, at about year, year three and a half. So at that time, I've been watching great whites from above and below the water, but always inside a cage or on top of the deck for approximately about 1,200 hours. Uh, so I had a pretty good idea how those particular sharks work, how they approach the bait, uh, what they did when they were pissed off, uh, how to see their agitation, whatever else. And uh, I had the opportunity, because we, we were doing some filming and a documentary came along, said, hey, we want to do some out-of-the-cage work for free diving. We got the permit, and I thought, well, I'm not putting people in the water without testing it first. Uh, so myself and a cameraman, we dropped a cage down below and we started exiting the cage and started working with these animals at like 30, 40 feet under the boat. And, uh, and yeah, that just, we realized that it's totally fine. Um, I started getting outside of the cage on the surface and down below. And then, uh, we started doing some productions, started getting some documentaries down there and, uh, you know, for better or for worse, uh, that type of media coming out probably... You can look at it a couple of different ways. It, it was good publicity for the animals, uh, but then some opportunistic operators decided, hey, well, we can just run tourist operations and take people outside cages, which is a really bad idea because then you've got a person who's never seen one of these sharks before. They're oh. breathing too hard. Their heart's beating too fast. They don't know how to react when a shark comes towards them looking to take a bite out of them. And, uh, <laughs> and that's a formula for disaster. And, and that does happen. You have to know how to stand your ground and swim towards a 17-foot animal and be prepared to smack it in the head. Uh, if, you know, your general advanced diver, I don't care who you are, doesn't know that. They don't have those instincts. So uh, they eventually close down those operations uh, at Guadalupe. But in general, yeah, there's a lot of work that can be done out of the cage quite safely with Grey White. That is amazing. If you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing, yes. Luke Tipple, ladies and gentlemen, Shark Week, uh, of course, on Discovery Channel. Shark Tank meets Shark Week. It's airing Wednesday, July 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, 8 p.m. Central on Discovery Channel. Fascinating conversation, Luke. It, it, I love talking about things like this. I appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Always happy to come on board. If I uh, if I might mention as well, on uh, sure. Sunday night, I also I hosted the, uh, the Snapchat series that Discovery Channel does for Shark Week. So every year they have a Shark Week channel on Snapchat. Last year it was getting between 10 and 15 million viewers per episode. So we did uh, three episodes this year that dropped on uh, Sunday. You can watch it anytime you like on Snapchat. Uh, they're three to four minute episodes and we're targeting, you know, the younger viewers, the 13 to 22 year olds who might want to get into science or might want to check out shark diving for the first time. So hopefully they find some content there that inspires them to get in the water and learn a bit more about science. That is terrific. Luke, uh, come back soon. I love talking to you. It's fascinating, a fascinating subject, but you're a fascinating guy. You've done a lot. I have, yeah. Uh, anytime, mate. I'll, uh, I'll be back. Great chatting to you. Thank you, sir. Luke Tipple, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Okay. What a good guy. Really nice guy. I don't um, know if I could hang out with sharks. Well, <laughs> that's what I think most people's reaction is. I don't know if I could do that. Well, you know they added mermaids to the underwater world. Yeah. What, the Mall of America? Yeah. What do you mean mermaids? Women in mermaid costumes swim with the sharks. They do? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. I had no idea. I got to run something by you because uh, John Schnatter is not looking too good these days, as you know. Dropped the big M on the phone call, and I don't know. I still oh, don't know why he did it. And, and, and he keeps saying they forced him into it. I don't. Forced him into saying the big N? Yeah. I just do it free will. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did, and I, I looked at the transcript of the conversation of his, of the interview, because he did an interview afterwards trying to explain why he did it. So he said that Colonel used to use the big N, right. Colonel Sanders. And as the conversation was going on, it was like whoever was in it, whoever he was talking to on the phone kept pushing to do it. it oh, like, really? Yeah. Just he was because, definitely set up. Right. 
Yeah, it kind of seems like he was. was 100% to set up. Well, here's a problem. The fallout from a scandal involving Papa John's founder is still being felt with news reports now suggesting the world's third largest pizza delivery company missed out on a possible merger. Per the Wall Street Journal, uh, Journal, John Schnatter held preliminary merger talks with executives from Wendy's Mm-mm. before a scandal erupted over his use of a racial slur. A source tells the Journal the talks have since cooled. CNBC goes further, saying the talks have stopped altogether with no deal imminent. Still, Papa John shares uh, rose as much as 6% with the news, per Business Insider. Schnatter retains a 30% stake in the company, and that pushed his stake to about $510 million. Well, it's, it's, it's the pizza of choice of all the uh, bigoted people, I guess. Right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so who would the two be that are bigger than Papa John's? Well, Domino's and Domino's. Pizza Hut. Yeah. Oh, I suppose it would be Domino's Pizza. I, I guess that does make sense. But, I mean, I'm not a Domino's fan. Yeah, I heard they I heard they upgraded their pizza though. It's better now. I've had it recently and it still no, was still not ugh. good. Their service isn't that great. Oh, it's not really. Mm-hmm. I did not know. At that. least the one by my house is terrible. Right, yeah. Andy? That's not good. Oh, and he just yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> the Dominoes. But, yeah, I don't know why he would. Why did he think that he had to get into the political realm? I don't understand that. And make um, comments. Just sell, sell your pizza and make your money. I'm so rich now that I know everything. Right. That's what it is. I think they just think they get really rich and they go, I'm smarter than everybody else. Yeah, I guess. So, or somebody asking for a comment and it's like, yeah. you, know, you know, I have nothing to say on that subject. You just keep walking and keep selling your. Because I'm going to tell you, I, I preferred Papa John's over the other two. Okay. And. And you know me, I'm not a person for political stances or whatnot, but it's no, like I, I, I can't support somebody who, who's that dumb. We will be back on Monday. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you later. Tom Bernard Show.